presumably there are things that you have to sort of learn as you go. It's okay. Like, it's okay if I'm not getting this. It's okay if this isn't like coming to me as easily as something else might have previously in my career. So much of this and success and doing stuff on your own is just mental and having people who believe in you so that you can believe in yourself. I always defined success on uh, how much money I made and my title and my accomplishments and I found myself pretty miserable at the end of that road. I was, yeah, I was, I was meeting my goals and I was making the dollar amount I wanted to make and I had respect of many and I thought that's what I wanted and I have to say being able to go off and work for myself there has been a major transformation that I am happy. Hi, I'm Michelle, an entrepreneur and creative business coach. Hi, I'm Steve, and I'm a social media and digital content strategist. We're friends with a shared passion for creativity in all its forms. Through this podcast, you'll find ideas to help up your game and share experiences with a community of creatives who understand what it's like to work and create in a digital world. If the episode you're about to hear sparks something inside you, share your voice by connecting with us on social media, at Pod4Creatives on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. So we're really excited to have on uh, Nicolette Viscuzzi for another episode of Conversations with Creatives. She's got a really interesting story that I think a lot of you will identify with. She started in broadcast journalism, really wanted to pursue that that career, ended up transitioning out of, of TV news and into marketing and had a very successful career in the marketing industry before once again deciding to transition and pursue uh, a personal interest of opening up her own small business as an entrepreneur. We really think this story hits home for you know many of you who listen to a podcast for creatives because what she's going through in this transition is exciting, it's nerve-wracking, there's a lot of vulnerability, but there's also a lot of hope and it really kind of matches a lot of our conversations over the last couple of years when we've kind of gotten into this topic and um, what better way to discuss it than when someone going through it in the moment. Yeah, I feel like no matter what industry you work in, no matter what your job is, there is nothing more creative than having to figure something out. And that is really what Nicolette's story is, is figuring things out. And I think that she shares so many tips and reminds us that we're all humans and none of us are going to get things right the first time. So I think that you guys will be really encouraged by her story. I thought for a second, like we weren't going to actually get you on because you seemed very hesitant about about doing this at first. And then like, yeah. I didn't know if we were going to have to like, you have to be like the first paid guest of a podcast <laughs> for creatives. Like, were you holding out for more? Or was this like a holdout situation? Yeah. <laughs> After I'm doing it for free. You're gonna yeah, right. Yeah. Right. I mean, I guess I was a little, little hesitant because there's, I am still figuring things out. So what's been the hardest part of the, the transition coming out of a marketing gig where you definitely had some some great success working for for Albany Medical Center, um, and then obviously kind of transitioning into you know this entrepreneurial small business. Or what's been the toughest transition for you since you've been doing this? Right. So I switched industries technically. So I switched multiple industries: marketing, healthcare, to real estate. So I went from being like the subject content master of marketing and healthcare to transitioning to real estate where I 
had a lot to learn. And I found that very challenging after six years of really being the expert at what I did at Albany Med and then getting into an industry where I had a lot to learn. I did find that a little bit challenging personally and mentally. Um, I didn't feel like I was where I needed to be and I still am working on that. But when I, when you go to work for yourself, there are so many things that I wish people would tell you <laughs> before you do that. Um, you become your own IT person. You become your obviously your own boss, um, your own HR person. You are in complete charge of what gets done that day and what doesn't get done that day. So, you know, going from an environment where, you know, I had a boss for, you know, after I graduated college, I always worked for someone where they kind of set the priorities and they set the list of things that needed to be you know, taken care of in which order. And then all of a sudden you're off on your own and you, you're almost in like a tailspin. You don't know where to focus your energy first. And you try to focus your energy on probably way too many things um, at the same time. Mm-hmm. And so I found that to be those two things to be the most challenging. Has anyone filed? Have you filed an HR complaint against yourself yet? <laughs> <laughs> I probably should. I was, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, when it comes to taking time off and you know scheduling things like that, it's it's different. I I wish that somebody told me that you know before you go off and you you work for yourself, you should really take it like almost like an extended leave of absence. You really need to set that reset that button. And you know, I took a week, and I thought a week would be enough time for me to leave a job at. Albany Mad, and then just dive into this business I started. And, you know, looking back, I really wish I took a month. Um, and I say that because when you go to work for yourself, you don't have any days off. You are working, you know, Sunday to Sunday. You There's no time. There's no time you can turn your phone off and, you know, just be done with work for the day unless you mentally make that decision like I'm not going to answer the phone for the rest of the evening, which I don't recommend because I'm is kind of hectic. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I wish somebody had really said, you know, enjoy this time while you have it, because once you go to work for yourself, you really are going, you know, 24-7. Your mind doesn't stop either. And that's the other part is even when I'm not physically working on something for the business, my mind is constantly thinking about, okay, what can I do next? What service can I expand? What can I do better? Oh, I have to email that person back. If I was my own HR department, which I am, I would tell myself to uh, unplug at night, which uh, clearly I'm not doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I've found that to be the most challenging thing as well is to just tell your brain to be quiet because no matter what you're doing, new ideas are coming up and there are things that you're forgetting about all the time. And there's basically like, there's always something more that you can be doing. Like no matter what, like I said, like since I've been working for myself, I've never been bored. You're never going to be bored again. (laughs) No, absolutely not. And I find that sometimes when I separate myself from work and I'm doing something else, so I do have several hobbies. That's when I get my best ideas is when I'm actually not sitting down thinking about the business or thinking about what's next. You know, I'm engaged in doing something else is when like that light bulb goes off. You're like, that's a great idea. You know, you should should remember that and really kind of just take a step back and just say, okay, if it's a good idea, it's going to come to me no matter what I'm doing right now. So you kind of started to answer this, but 
if you were to like start over with this, mm-hmm. other than giving yourself a little bit of time off, yeah, would you have like structurally done anything different? Would you have partnered with anyone or outsourced anything, anything like that? I don't think I would have partnered with anyone or outsourced anything just yet because I am I am still very small. Um, some things that I wish I had done would be. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I wanted to apply for a home equity line of credit just to have as a reserve. And you can use those funds for your business. And that's something that I can't do now um, without a co-signer because I have no proof of income for the next two years. They need two years of tax returns and um, I can't provide that. So before you go off and start your own business... Uh, make sure <laughs> if you want a home equity line of credit um, to get that before you leave your stable, great job. So that would be one thing that, you know, anybody going off and uh, wanting to start their own business, I would I would have them do. And, you know, there, there are a couple of things that I've kind of stumbled upon as I've gotten to know my business. That's the other thing is I had this idea of what I wanted to do and then I started doing it and it's kind of transforming it. The more I'm doing it and the more I'm thinking about it is um, just additional certifications and licenses. And uh, a goal of mine is to become a real estate broker um, after being in the real estate industry since June. I, you know, I initially didn't even have plans to become a real estate agent. I only wanted to manage properties that I have a stakeholder interest in. But I just said plans change and in order to expand and grow to the level that I think that I can, I do need to get the real estate license and then eventually I'd like to be become a broker. So those are two things that I wish I had started a little bit earlier in the process. Um, right now, you know, I, I, it's a 75 hour course to be a real estate agent. I started it in June. I took it online, which was a big mistake. Do it in, do it in the classroom <laughs> online <laughs> because it will take you four months to finish it. <laughs> so those are a couple of things that I wish I had known before, you know, leaving your job and starting this. But it, there's nothing that's like a deal breaker. It's, there are things that you can still do after you you make that jump. But it, things would have been a lot easier and a little bit more smooth if I if I had done those things. So let's rewind back for a second. How did you get to the point of saying to yourself, okay, I'm, I'm ready to make this jump. You had, you had this, this career, you were involved in a lot of, of amazing projects and amazing things that had incredible purpose. Uh, there was a, there was, there was, was, there was a presidential visit factored into that too somewhere. Is that right? (laughs) Yeah. When I worked for uh, nanotech. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So like there's, there's obviously like, there's obviously a lot of things that you were involved in, um, from a marketing standpoint, what made you make that switch and such a, a hard right-hand turn? So I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I think, um, you know, my father is self-made my uncles, my grandfather, my brother. And I don't know if it, you know, medically, it probably doesn't run in your DNA, but mentally it does. Um, you think, I've always thought to myself that I could do something on my own. I didn't know what it was going to be, but I always wanted to work for myself because I felt that I had the skills to do it. And I, I could, that's, that's where I could become, I think, most influential and I could meet my real purpose is, is working for myself. So I always had it, the thought in the back of my mind that one day I didn't know what it was going to be. 
Um, at one point, it was going to be a horse business, which I am very glad that I didn't do. Uh, maybe down the road, but not right now. One time. of your one of your 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 passions, your hobbies. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, so a long term goal. But I always had a feeling that I wanted to work for myself and that I would be successful if I if I'd made that jump. And just the right opportunity came. You know, the the family business was expanding, and they were going to hire a property management company. And I was approached by both my father and my brother separately. And they were, they asked if it would be something that I would be interested in doing. And, you know, I had to sit back and think about it for a while because, it, like I said, I, I knew I wanted to work for myself, but I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do. I th always thought it was going to be marketing and PR. Those, those two just come naturally. And it's funny because I feel like I actually end up using a lot of those skills in real estate. Um, so the two worlds mesh perfectly. But I decided after six years at Albany Med, I, I really feel like Albany Med prepared me to to kind of jump off the diving board and, and start this business. So I, uh, I made the move. And I have to say that, you know, I had some great mentors at Albany Med. That also, you know, when I went in there and I told them what I was doing, I, ha I it was met with, I knew you were going to do this. Like, I knew you were going to go one day, you were going to go, you were going to leave us and you were going to go work for yourself. We just always had that feeling about you because when it came to these brand new initiatives or businesses that the medical center, um, any of these new ventures that we would go out, you were always point person and you were always knew exactly how to take the, the vision to to reality to fruition. So we kind of had a feeling that this was going to happen one day. So that was, that was a nice thing to say, you know, when, when you're making such a traumatic move, um, professionally, but you know, the people at Albany Med really did um, prepare me to take this next step and, and, and work for myself. It's really wonderful to get that kind of support <laughs> and feedback. Cause like you said, I think so much of this and success and doing stuff on your own is just mental. And having people who believe in you so that you can believe in yourself. Exactly. Exactly. Hearing somebody else say what you hope somebody would say about you, it, it really does motivate you to, to, to take that scary next step. I think the number one hurdle that we tend to get from people is feeling the need to be everywhere with their their presence and where to spend time and how to grow and a lot of times what I think is left is a watered down uh, presence because, right. you know, when you're trying to be everything to everybody, you're really being nothing. Right. Have you been faced with those feelings early on? How have you sort of navigated that? And how has your marketing um, and PR background sort of lent itself to help maybe guide you? Yeah, I launched a brand new brand. I actually am launching two new brands. So I can talk about my brand, but I'm going to talk about the one that's a little bit more important right now. And that is the brand that we launched for our, our apartment business. So prior to me joining the business, we had um, we have five properties and they all had their own uh, separate identities. And we decided that maybe the best way to go about, you know, marketing and advertising and branding would to be kind of create an umbrella and have the five properties um, be branded as one. And so we came up with Upstate New York Apartments. So we just recently launched a website with Braun Media, and we're super excited about it because it's the first time they've had a functional website to promote their apartments, which is <laughs> when you- That's, that's awesome, congratulations. A website for, for forever. But um, you know, we launched it in uh, the beginning of September, so it's still a very new website. 
And uh, we have done very little advertising just because we've been fortunate enough that we haven't had to. We have very low vacancy rates, but, you know, things are starting to change. We're building new projects. So that will definitely change. So you'll definitely see some advertisements for Upstate New York Apartments. Yeah. Uh, .com. If, uh, <laughs> we'll link up for sure in the show notes so everyone can see your I'm beautiful sh- I'm new shocked site. You're not, I'm shocked you're not wearing a t-shirt right now that just uh, right across you the... You know, I don't have one yet. I tried to rush to get one made. <laughs> and I'm really upset it didn't work out. So back to the Upstate New York Apartments brand. Like I said, we just launched, launched a website. We're doing some social media because that seems to be where our audience is for the properties that um, we're concerned about filling. And the other, the other aspect that I am starting to incorporate into the business too is community development. Mm-hmm. So it's funny this morning, I actually, I'm, I'm, a, I'm sitting on the committee for the go red for women's um, American heart associations event. And just being at the table with so many influential women and, and just powerful women in this area, having upstate New York apartments at the table is really getting the word word out. I spoke to a woman from um, Saratoga National Bank and CDPHP. And so so that has been an asp- uh, maybe a new facet to the business that I've started. Um, and I think it kind of goes along with branding. I think community involvement definitely falls on the back burner a lot when it's so incredibly powerful. And that's where you truly, you you know, that's where your word of mouth comes through is, you know, oh, I spoke to Nicolette. She's, she works for Offstate New York Apartments. Um, they have properties here, 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 here. And those are people that have a lot of connections. So you, you know, I think it gets, obviously you're doing it for the right reason is to spread awareness that women are at risk for heart disease, but also it does have some networking benefits. Sure, sure. I have been kind of um, conservative in what I'm doing with it. I do have some plans. We will have um, some advertising, some sponsorship, but really I, I, I'm having a, a little bit of a hard time identifying my audience for, for upstate New York. I have an idea of, of age-wise for tenants, but that's obviously not your only audience. You, I have an audience of realtors and brokers, and so I've been I've been working to identify them, and then for my company, which is I haven't mentioned yet um, because I really am not promoting it too much yet, is uh, Letty Management Group. Um, Letty is L E T T E. It's the last five letters of my name. I can't take credit for it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's a full service property management company. I don't even have a website yet. I launched the New York, uh, the Upstate New York apartment website first because that obviously was more important. But good things will be coming soon, and I'm really excited to take my brand that I, you know, I'm 100% invested in and see where I can take it. Congratulations! That's it's really exciting, and and I'm sure that when you have the time to, you know, fully immerse yourself into that, or maybe fully is not correct because <laughs> you're you're always going to be spread, but. Um, yeah. But now you have some experience under your belt and you'll go about it more confidently. Yes. Thank you. Obviously, this is called a podcast for creatives. And someone listening to this might be like, what does real estate have to do with creativity? But I think running a business involves yes. a ridiculous amount of creativity right. and especially problem solving. So right. I know you said, you know, you haven't been around that long and You've been around long. I mean, some businesses last like a week. Um, I know certain things I've started have lasted a week. So in your time, do you have any stories for us or examples of something that 
either you thought was going to be difficult, but wasn't, or it's something that went completely wrong and you were able to oh. overcome it. <laughs> so many things went completely wrong. <laughs> so I get to pick from a very long list. It's funny looking back now, but in the midst of it, I, I was in full blown panic mode. I could not get my email to work. So like I said, you become your own IT, you know, you become your own, your own support system. So I can't tell you how many hours I spent on the phone with um, Microsoft Outlook <laughs> to get my email to work. And it's a lot more complicated than uh, you think it would be after having a dedicated IT person, you know, work on all your problems for your whole life. But uh, yeah, for the first um, two weeks that I was in business, I couldn't send any emails. So I had to use my personal email, which was something I really didn't want to do because then what ends up happening is, you know, someone stores that email in their phone or in their computer and they send an email to you and you don't check it for four months and all of a sudden <laughs> you're like, oh, that, that needed to get done and it hasn't gotten done in four months. You know, I feel like I have a really outgoing personality and I was so surprised how nervous I was the first time I had to show an apartment. I was so nervous and I bombed. I completely bombed. I, they were asking me questions and this is something that you will, in whatever you do, you will learn as you go. And that's what I, you know, I look back, but I completely bombed. They asked me what kind of um, heating was in the, was in the apartment. I don't know. I, I, I'm like looking at the, I'm like Facebook, I'm like, yeah, but like electric or gas. I'm like, no. <laughs> They were, you know, the, the questions, they had very good, like, what's the average utility bill? And, you know, they had a lot of really good questions. And I remember leaving that showing and, like, being this close to calling my boss at Albany Med and being like, take me back. <laughs> One bad showing. That's it. I've had enough. I'm done. I can't do this. I just made a fool out of myself. I was nervous. I don't think I like one sentence was in English. Like I could not put together a good sentence. And for somebody who's been in marketing, who communicates for a living, right? I do yeah. this for a living. Yeah. And like, I write ads and I write scripts <laughs> and you know, I design ads and brochures and I'm you know so content focused. And when it came time to actually like perform, I bombed. I don't know what I don't I don't it's still to this day, I don't know what, what happened that day. I just know that they didn't run an apartment from me. But you know, that was definitely a failure. But you look at it as a failure, but it's just a learning just a learning experience and I have gotten much better. I have, um, I have rented apartments since then, so I have to be getting better. <laughs> you had said something before that, that I thought was really interesting talking about audience identification right? and obviously trying to do a little bit more to narrow that, that focus. Mm -hmm. How big of a role does research play in, in your time as, as a small business owner? Oh, huge part. A huge part. So when I first started working in for letting management and for upstate New York apartments, the first thing I did was put together a business plan. Obviously, that's probably the first thing anybody should do. But just just researching your competition and how they conduct their business and what they do, for lack of a better word, stalking them for you know a couple months and just seeing where where are they advertising, who are they trying to advertise to, that was extremely helpful. And also, you know, we talk in the real estate age, uh, industry, we talk about comps. So another part of the market research that I was doing is 
and that had never been done before is taking a look at our properties and where our price points were and our amenities and everything and comparing them to the surrounding competition. Um, so research plays a huge role in what you want to do. And I, I think that it, it kind of gets overlooked. You know, I, I, it wasn't something that I had been planning. I, you know, I had all these ideas of everything I had to do and research wasn't one of them. And then when you are trying to, you know, execute all these goals and you, you know, putting together a business plan so you can put together a proposal and give to somebody to manage their property, but you have no idea what services to provide, what to charge for those services. You don't have a list of contractors that may be needed when, you know, the garbage disposal doesn't work. Um, so I think research plays a huge role in, in everything about business, but when it comes to identifying your audiences, everything that you need to, anything that you need to know, you can find out either through research online or asking somebody. So I have to say one of the one of the things I'm really grateful for is I was able to hook up with a real estate broker right off the bat. And she has been in the industry for, I don't know, eight, 10 years. And she has just been such a, a source of knowledge and uh, advice for me moving forward with this business. You know, questions about practically everything. I mean, we were talking the other day about um, service pets and apartment renting and, you know, most, most apartments charge pet fees um, when you have a pet and when it comes to service animals whether it be a, an emotional support animal or an actual service dog or you know a seeing eye dog or those types of animals you know there are all these new sets of laws that you know landlords need to abide by so so research not only happens on the computer but I think it also happens in having conversations so like I, I can't stress um, the networking you know, portion of if, you, if you're going to go off and start your own business, make sure you, you're really expanding your network and don't be afraid to have a conversation with somebody who seems intimidating because she was very intimidating. She knew everything. She was great at her job. <laughs> but, you know, one conversation with her, you know, not only, you know, it, it helped me get up to speed as, as fast as I possibly could, but, you know, it is also leading to potentially some partnerships down the road. So those are those are two avenues where I think, you know, you, you should, you know, invest the time in research. It doesn't feel like you're doing anything while you're researching, but you are doing yourself a huge favor. How did you reach out to her? Did you just like send an email or were you at an in-person event? Because I know like in theory, yeah. in theory, what you're saying like sounds great. I'm an introvert, so I talk about this a lot on the podcast. I think that a lot of times I just like assume that everyone else is like too busy and better than, than I am. So right. I email is like my safety zone, but do you have any tips for that? <laughs> uh, to reach out to people you're intimidated yeah. by. <laughs> um, usually I try hum humor, <laughs> in-person humor. Yeah. Uh, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But when it came to Kristen, um, the, the, fortunate for me, she had been working with uh, my family and some other investors um, that I know of. And, you know, I had bumped into her a couple of times before I, I jumped and started my own business. And then one day I, I don't, honestly, I don't even remember. I think I might have like called her and asked her a question because I was at my wits end. I couldn't figure out what to do in a situation. And I had access to her phone number. I mean, she has ads listed all over the internet. So I, I called her, I said who I was, I introduced myself and I said, you know, I'm sorry to bother you, but 
I really don't know what else to do at this point because I, I need advice. And she just like, you know, opened up and it was like a 30 minute conversation. We ended up laughing at the end. And then that turned into getting together, you know, meeting and talking about goals and, and certifications and all sorts of things. So, and now, now it's become a friendship too, which I'm super fortunate and uh, fortunate for, but you know, I think, any, I mean, there have been people at Albany Med that I was I was terrified to speak to. One, including Mr. Barba. Um, every oh. time Mr. Barba would walk into the room, I it was like I was starstruck. <laughs> I yeah. don't know how yeah. else to describe it. So Mr. Barba was the CEO at Albany Med, and he he was such like a not I want to say a role model, but he was just always somebody I aspired to be like. And Michelle's like that with me a lot, just so you know. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Barry doesn't speak to me as soon as we sign on to a Google Hangout. Like, yeah, just I, has to, I always you know, wait. Yeah. Take it in and then, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, you were saying? <laughs> oh, um, what was I saying? Oh, by uh, Mr. Barba. So, I, so a little bit about him is, you know, he, he came into the medical center and pretty much saved the medical center from bankruptcy. And, and he's been so innovative in the way that he's approached healthcare and the way that we treat patients and are able to survive financially in the climate, you know, that keeps changing in healthcare. So he's just, he's just such an intelligent person. And so whenever I would be in his presence, I, even if I had to work with him, it was it was so uncomfortable for me because I think I was I was just so nervous I didn't want to embarrass myself. Isn't but, that you know, funny that's- though? <laughs> like, isn't isn't that funny though? Like, we're in these roles, whatever we do, and yeah. assuming that we're good at what we do, and let's just right. say that we are, right? That like even knowing that and even being confident enough in that, mm-hmm. there's still this level of like this person's not going to take me seriously, even when you right. know what you're saying is probably the best advice that you could possibly be giving or whatever the situation might be. Right. If you can find out why, you know, if you ever discover why that happens, can yeah. you know? Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm intimidated by most everybody, so it really... <laughs> yeah. But I do matter. remember, I, you know, I did work on uh, one event close to the end of my time at Albany Med where I was um, working very closely with Mr. Barbara and his wife. And just having him look at me and say, thank you, you're doing an excellent job, Nicolette. I was like, Um, (laughs) you know, that was just, that was really huge that he had um, recognized the work over the years. And that's with, um, a lot of, a lot of high level people that I've had the opportunity to work with is, um, you know, at first I do feel like you need to prove yourself. I think everyone wants to prove themselves and they, we know we're competent. We know, we know what we're doing, how that translates to the, to someone you're trying to, you know, convince that, you know, what you're doing. Um, but yeah, I don't I don't know what it is about being in the presence of somebody who's accomplished so much that makes you feel like you're less competent than them. Um, but if you ever find a way to overcome that, I uh, please share that with me. So but- <laughs> <laughs> I promise you I will share that with you. Thank you. But how do you like interestingly enough, though, like how do you now that you are running your own business mm-hmm. and presumably there are things that you have to sort of learn as you go. Do you have to just remind yourself like, Hey, it's okay. Like it's okay. If I'm not getting this, it's okay. If this isn't like coming to me as easily as something else might've, you know, previously in my career. Initially, I want to say for the first month or maybe two months, I was really frustrated with myself and I was really hard on myself for not knowing what I felt like I should have known. And I finally got to a point where I, I I don't want to say like I had a 
break down or anything, but I just kind of took a step back and was like, you know what, you need to give yourself a lot more credit than you've been giving yourself because you are still in the learning phase. You you are three months into a new industry working with new people. You know, I have 194 tenants. I have 134 properties. I'm managing, you know, anywhere from two to six people a day and things are going wrong. But at the same time, you know, you are still new at this and you are still learning. So stop you know, beating down on yourself for not doing it right and learn and get it right next time. You know, as some of our, some of our tenants, you know, whenever there's an issue, you know, I always say we'll do better next time. I haven't come up with a tagline or anything for property management, but if it was to be something, it would be, we're going to do our best by you. And if that means doing better next time, we're going to do better next time. We, you know, we, we messed up, we learned and we're going to move forward and we're going to be better because of it. Man, I mean, I feel like you just said it all for, (laughs) I mean, really anyone trying anything. But I was thinking this when I asked you my last question about like, struggles that you had or things that you had to overcome. We don't mentally like build in that period of like failure. And honestly, like failure will continue like forever. Like I've had my own business for like over 10 years, and I still fail like constantly. But that (laughs) means that you're growing and Right. It means that you are improving. And like you said, it'll be better next time. And I think that people, when they are just starting out, they put so much pressure on themselves to like be perfect out of the gate. And that's just not how it works. You're trying to prove to yourself that you can do this. So the minute something goes wayward and not the way it should, you almost, you just take it out on yourself and you're like, no, I I know I should have known better. And you really, you couldn't have known better. You're brand new at this. So yeah, cut yourself some slack, dust, dust the dirt off your pants and next time go get them. (laughs) Yeah. Those are not indicators that you should stop or that you're not good enough. It just means you're going to learn something and then you are elevating yourself to that next level. Right. Somebody once said to me, if you're not making mistakes, you're not growing. Yeah. So, you know, when I do make a mistake, like I'm growing. Yes. That's a great (laughs) attitude. When we have guests on, which isn't every episode, um, but when we have guests on, we have a segment that we call the profile where we have about like (laughs) seven or eight questions that we kind of just rapid fire shoot out. You know, you don't have to give an immediate answer. You can think about it. Um, some of them might lend themselves to more rapid fire answers, but, um, so first up, favorite social platform? Instagram. Why? Uh, <laughs> well, one, I like photos. And I think okay. it's the best photo platform. But um, I'm Instagram. Oh. Um, <laughs> you don't need to explain you, yourself to me. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, I think we would. Me, I just, I, the less commentary, the better. I feel like some other social media channels have just been overrun with commentary and a lot of it I don't wish to read and a lot of it I think on certain channels are more negative than an Instagram. So if I had to choose one, it would be Instagram. Good choice. Uh, Book that you've read lately that you couldn't put down. I knew you were going to ask this question. So (laughs) I wrote down, I am the worst book reader and I'll tell Um, you why. I will challenge that thought. Okay. Wait till I tell you what I do and then you'll be you'll you'll say no you win. Um, okay. Okay. So I am reading three books right now. And it's you're because already, you already have me beat. So go ahead. 
because I can't seem to like I this is what I always do I never finish one and then I start another another one and then I go back to the one I was reading and then and then I get all confused because I don't know what belongs to which book (laughs) (laughs) right now my 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 reading choices are all over the map so I, I just started this book called justice mercy and humility um, it's kind of like a Christian based book, um, by Rusty George. And a lot of it is, um, not being so difficult on yourself and cutting yourself some slack. And it, when it comes to life, when it comes to, uh, your beliefs and, and how you conduct yourself. Um, so that, that's, a, that's been a really, that's been personally and professionally kind of, um, you know, feeding me. And I've also been reading, um, living with a seal. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. It's, you should check it out. I think you might like it. It's about an entrepreneur that invites a Navy SEAL to live with him and train him for 30 days. Oh. And it is intense. And I, I don't want to give not away. get that from the title, but that's that sounds really cool. <laughs> I thought it, it was really a SEAL. It's really a Navy SEAL. Okay. And um, it's about it really changes. It changes um, it changes his perspective on everything, um, on what he can accomplish and, and what, you know, when to give up, when not to give up. And, uh, it's really good. Although I, I don't even know where I'm at in that book right now. And then <laughs> <laughs> I've also been reading the accidental president. Um, it's about Harry Truman and yeah. how he became a, he, he didn't, he never believed that he would actually be president. Um, but when he became president and everything he had to handle when, um, president Roosevelt died and it has been, you know, I've never been a really big history person, but being, having it being told in a, in a human way, um, really has made, made it a lot more interesting. So those are three books that are reading right now. Really, uh, all like, sound great. All over the map. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I encourage you guys to read them. Yeah. <laughs> I may have to, I've been on a kick lately. I've read one book and, yeah. um, I'm, I'm very proud of myself for what that because, it? uh, it's uh, dare to lead by Brene Brown. Okay. Um, uh, we accidentally yeah. in, in our, in our previous, in our last, uh, podcast, we discovered that accidentally we were both reading the same book unknowingly oh. that the other one was reading the book, which was kind of, you know, it lent itself to the episode prior to that. I haven't read a book since of mice and men when I was in ninth grade. <laughs> So it's been a while. I thought you still get like the personal pizzas after you read a book, like from Pizza Hut. Remember, did you used to take part in that in that program? I did, but you know, I, I have to say, when I do finish a book, it's usually with a glass. I have a glass of wine and a pizza to celebrate. Okay. So, like, graduated to the adult program of the book <laughs> club. I'm still very much in the yeah. elementary. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Nice to know that there's another another level of that program. Yeah, um, yeah. What <laughs> what uh, what keeps you up at night? My phone. <laughs> You know, I recently, um, I have a new rule that, um, when it's time to go, when I'm ready to go to bed, the, I have to turn my phone off, not, not turn it off, but I have to put it away because what ends up happening is I'll be on my phone until three o'clock in the morning and just reading emails and scrolling Instagram and, um, yeah. So what keeps me up at night? My phone. So I've taken proactive measures to stop from staying up all night, but, um, I think you were looking for a different answer. So I'll answer no, that. Not no, not at all. Yeah, that's... Absolutely not. This is yeah. what makes it very relatable. It I think. Yeah. Yeah. That, even I have that, you know, that screen thing where it changes and it gets like, like sunset to sunrise. You get the, yep. that removes the blue light. That's what it yes, does. I yes. even have that on there. It still doesn't work. So yeah. put the phone down, 
Um, usually that's when I pick up a book and yeah. then, <laughs> then I'm asleep within like two minutes. <laughs> it's the wine. It's probably what it is. <laughs> uh, you admit it. It's the wine. <laughs> um, what do you wish you were better at? Podcast interviews. Oh, no, no. no you've been amazing. <laughs> You're very well not. spoken. Oh, thank you. I feel like I ramble a lot. Um, what do not, I think I was better? Huh? Not at all. That would be really it. You know, it's, um, you know, I, I worked in TV for five years and everyone was always like, oh, you do such a great job. And after being on, you know, TV or writing something, I'd be like, that really was awful. Like that was, that was awful. So I think uh, public speaking, if I had to choose one, it would be public speaking. I wish I was better at. Wow. Well, I feel like you you are a great speaker. Like, <laughs> thank you. I'm very like I'm the one who edits the audio of this, so I feel like I've become like I notice like every little um and pause and just diction, and that's something that like I really you know I'm hard on myself for because I hear myself so much. But no, you're you're wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Remember that you know you you hope somebody says something nice. <laughs> you just did it for me. Aww. Thank you. <laughs> Um, what is the best piece of advice you've received? Just cut people some slack and cut yourself some slack. So I think for me, I've always held even complete strangers to the highest standards and haven't been the most empathetic person um, towards people. And somebody just once told, you know, said to me, like, can you just cut them some slack? You don't know what's going on. And it has kind of revolutionized the way that I approach people and the conversations that I have people have with people. I am not so quick to um, assume the worst about somebody that I, I do give people the benefit of the doubt. And it has transformed so many of my relationships. And I have so many more positive relationships because of it. And I think there are a lot more people in my life that are influential because of that shift um, that I may not have had the opportunity to have a friendship with them or even a relationship with them if I had not had somebody say that to me. Um, so I have to say that that was probably the most influential thing any, someone has ever said to me um, was, you know, stop, stop thinking the worst of people and, and just cut people some, some slack because they're, they have a lot on their plate too. You're not the only one. <laughs> yeah, that's really great advice. Yes. Really great. Who is a person who you would want to trade places with for a day? Joanna Gaines. Oh came out of a holster <laughs> yeah I think Just, uh, a lot of people <laughs> would agree with that one including me I, mean, I feel like her. right she's she's done what we want to do taken one business and exploded it I think I've incorporated her into like every presentation I've given or I'm always making <laughs> jokes about like how everyone's ultimate goal is to just, you know, be her or have her business or have her life. So mm -hmm. I, I love that answer. <laughs> yes. She's very trendy right now. Yes. <laughs> uh, and our last question is, how do you define success? This oh, is this our is like, strange. if you're, yeah. you know, if you, if you ever give us like a commencement speech, you can open with this. <laughs> Oh, the pressure. Um, <laughs> so again, another major shift in my life is I always defined success on uh, how much money I made and my title and my accomplishments. And I found myself pretty miserable at the end of that road. 
I was, yeah, I was, I was meeting my goals and I was making the dollar amount I wanted to make. And I had respect of many and I thought that's what I wanted. And I have to say, being able to go off and work for myself, there has been a major transformation that I, I'm happy. I think what you do, you need to be, you need to be happy. And if that means that you need to leave a career and try something else, that means that you need to spend more time doing hobbies or spending more time with certain people. I think success is being able to wake up every day wanting to do something, whether that's work or change the world or feed a dog or whatever you want to do. You know, if you wake up and you're happy and you're excited about the day, that day and then the following day and the day after that, um, you've succeeded. You got these two brands. <laughs> this answer can be two different answers. It can be the same answer. Okay. Where do you see them in five years? I see, I'm afraid to name drop, <laughs> but I do see upstate New York apartments being on the same level uh, playing field as Tri-City Rentals um, in the re in the capital region. That's one of the bigger apartment um, businesses in the, in the region. And I do see um, Letty Management Group growing to probably almost, I want to say a comparable size to Burns Management, which is also one of the major groups in this area. I'm not saying I want to do exactly everything that they do, but I think the potential is there. So in five years, I, I think I think there's two 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 major companies you're going to see a lot of great things coming from. That's awesome. So, well, can we do this again in five years? <laughs> earlier than that, if you want, just to get an update it's, at that point. It's but. like that question in the yearbook: Where do you see yourself in ten years? They should not allow eighteen-year-olds to write to write those <laughs> questions. <laughs> yeah. Should have just ended it like everyone else does. Have a great summer. See you in the fall. Yeah. Just keep in it. touch. Get out. Best keep in touch. To <laughs> right. Because yeah. I look back and I'm like, that was a really dumb answer. And I'm nowhere near that. It's I been know. 15 years or yeah. however long it's been. Yeah. Maybe even longer. I tell Michelle and I, we've told the story or I've told the story a lot. But um, so I started interning um, when I was in college at Fox 23 up here. Yes. And, My Fox um, 23. Your Fox 23, my Fox 23, <laughs> my Fox 23.com. Right. Um, and um, in the sports department, because I wanted to go into sports broadcasting. And I think I was there for like a month and a half, a month maybe. And yeah. I was just, I was done. Like, I just went, I don't want to do this at all. Yeah. And it's just this like, so this whole concept of what you're getting at about like being like, I can't believe I have, this is what I said I'm going to do. And then all right. of a sudden it's just like the whole thing, just like the whole earth moves underneath your feet and you have no idea where you're going next right. at like 20 something years of age. So like at 18, yeah, at 21 doesn't get any <laughs> easier. <laughs> right. And you actually hit upon something that I really wanted to talk about on this podcast is, you know, I went to school to be a, a reporter. And a, a news anchor. And from there, you know, I went into PR and marketing and then now I'm in real estate. Um, so one thing that I would hope that, you know, translate is, you know, if you're not working in the industry that you went to school for and you studied for, it's not the end of the world. And actually those skills, those skills translate. Um, across multiple industries. So what you learned in college, what you did for your first job or your internships, those skills, or at least a subset of those skills will translate into anything that you that you end up doing, that you end up liking to do. Yeah, I keep telling all these kids going off to college, I'm like, you can go, go, go off and, you know, get an art degree. Sure. But, you know, 
there's a good chance you're not going to be running an art gallery in Rotterdam, New York. So you yeah. need to, you know, make sure you're, you're, you have skills that translate into other industries. So, and it's not the end of the world. If you, if you go to school to become an accountant and you turned out and you want to be a real estate agent, it's not the end of the world. They do math yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so, so glad you said that. I feel like every little piece of job experience you get, even if it's in a completely different industry, has an impact on you and helps elevate you to those levels. I feel like my little story that I always remind myself of is after I got let go from my job a long time ago, mm-hmm. I ended up just freelancing at a few random like graphic design places around Hartford, Connecticut. And one of them was, you know, I, I don't remember their like even the name of this place and I didn't work there for that long, but I still use their filing system and like the way that the way that they name and organize their files on their computer is still the way that I do it today so that's like just one little thing that I took from them right right that's exactly how you have to look at it too you know you you're you I feel like you do work certain jobs and each job brings you closer to what you're supposed to do if you've enjoyed this episode, help us spread the word on social media. Tag us at pod for creatives and let us know what stood out to you. 